Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for August the 27th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the industry, hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week. It is your one-stop shop for everything you need to know. So if you enjoy the show and you like what you see, hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more. But just a few moments ago, Gamescom opening night live 2020 wrapped up and as always we will be hitting the highlights on this year's show on top of covering the rest of the biggest gaming news of the day so without further ado let's go ahead and dive into the opening night live recap for gamescom 2020 Gamescom 2020 has officially kicked off, and what better way to start it than with Jeff Keighley's opening night live. Of course, teasers were coming out from around the industry throughout the week, but let's go ahead and check out everything that was revealed at today's opening night live. First off, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War got a brand new trailer. Jeff Keighley and creative director of Raven Software Dan Vondrak talked over what players can expect with Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and of course the segment finished off with a Perseus briefing cinematic featuring, of course, Ronald Reagan himself giving a briefing to the team that you are going to play as. Very controversial topics talked about during this year's Call of Duty Black Ops, uh, but it does look to be a very beautiful, well-polished game. At least the cinematics look that way so far. Then we saw Unknown 9 Awakening with its announcement and a cinematic trailer. Reflector Entertainment revealed its current project, Unknown 9 Awakening, with a new cinematic trailer. We see a young girl by the name of Haruna as she discovers some new abilities. We actually spoke with developers Alexis Autier and Thomas Street of Reflector Entertainment to learn more about the story details around Unknown 9 Awakening. They write at IGN if you did want more information. And of course, if you want to check out any of these trailers in depth, you can find all of the coverage on IGN. Doom Eternal The Ancient Ones DLC has been revealed. It was shown alongside a release date for October 20th of 2020. Dragon Age 4 got a first look trailer. With our first look at Dragon Age 4, Bioware developers dove into concept art, footage of some new locales, and even the confirmation of the return of Solus. Then Surgeon Simulator 2 is out now. Of course, it was launched by Doc Brown himself, Christopher Lloyd, with a big uh, marketing spiel uh, alongside Jeff Keighley. But Bossa Studios has released Surgeon Simulator 2, and it's launched with a story mode and four-player online co-op. It is going to be available on PC via the Epic Games Store. Bridge Constructor, the Walking Dead live-action reveal trailer, has showcased the game itself. Of course, Clockstone and Head Up showed off Bridge Constructor, the Walking Dead, a project that takes the shape of a physics-based puzzle game. If you are familiar with Bridge Constructor games, this one is going to be exactly what you would expect. Sam and Max is getting a reboot. It's coming to VR. The crime-fighting duo will return in an upcoming reboot made for virtual reality. Presumably, it's going to be coming out on all of the major headsets, but details will be coming soon. For PC fans out there with a, a big MMO uh, kind of skew to their gameplay, World of Warcraft Shadowlands has a release date after months and months of waiting. It is going to be launching on October the 27th, and of course a new World of Warcraft animated short premiered that gave us a look at one of the new realms coming to the Shadowlands expansion this fall, with three more to come in the coming weeks. Warhammer Age of Sigmar Stormground has been revealed. It's coming from Gasket Games and Focus Home, and it is the reveal of an upcoming fantasy strategy game, and again, it is called Warhammer Age of Sigmar Stormground. That is an incredibly versatile franchise. Warhammer just does a little bit of everything from time to time. 
Then we saw Crash Bandicoot 4 It's About Time get the reveal of flashback tapes. For fans that love a punishing platformer, hidden levels with ramped up difficulty called flashback tapes have been revealed for Crash Bandicoot 4 It's About Time. Basically, these focus on elements of the Crash Bandicoot story that happened while uh, Professor Cortex or Dr. Cortex, what you, the main villain guy, you know what I'm talking about, uh, when he was still experimenting on Coco and Crash. Uh, so that sounds pretty interesting if you are into punishing platformers. Outriders has a new cinematic trailer. In the new cinematic trailer, details around abilities, enemies, and the world you can explore with your friends were shown. Then we saw Teardown gameplay. Tuxedo Labs Teardown got a new gameplay trailer showing off how players can work together in destructible environments to pull off the perfect heist. Little Nightmares 2 got some gameplay. We finally got a look at some gameplay for Little Nightmares 2 during opening night live. The trailer featured protagonist Mono as they explore some very eerie locales. If you enjoyed Little Nightmares 1, Little Nightmares 2 looks to be more of that, with of course a bit of a fresh paint on it. Looks to be getting a very good piece of uh, improvement when it comes to the way the game looks for next gen. WWE 2K Battlegrounds has gotten some gameplay, and of course, the commentators have been revealed. Jerry the King Lawler and Mauro Ranallo will be joining forces to commentate WWE 2K Battlegrounds, a cartoonish game that is taking the place of the traditional WWE game this year. Star Wars Squadrons has gotten some campaign gameplay. The developers of Star Wars Squadrons gave a look at some single-player campaign gameplay that features Princess Leia and a TIE fighter attacking an enemy outpost. The game itself looks pretty good in my opinion. I tweeted earlier, if you have a flight stick, it would be a criminal shame to not use it or for it to not be compatible. Again, I don't know how much of that has been confirmed, but man, this game just looks like the tie fighting adventure you have been wanting for a very long time. 12 Minutes has gotten its voice cast reveal. This one took me by surprise. A new trailer for psychological thriller 12 Minutes has been revealed, and the cast behind the voices of the characters include James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, and Willem Dafoe will, of course, be the actors bringing the characters to life. Warframe Heart of Deimos expansion has arrived on all platforms. It launched earlier this week, and it's now also on Nintendo Switch. Override 2 Super Mech League has been announced. Robot Brawler Override 2 Super Mech League was announced alongside a holiday 2020 release. It's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. The Sims 4 is getting a Journey to Batuu expansion, which of course is a Star Wars expansion. The Sims never fails to amaze at how wide its net is cast. Mafia Definitive Edition has gotten a story trailer. A new cutscene featuring the Solari family alongside some vehicle and combat gameplay was shown in a new Mafia Definitive Edition story trailer. This game looks very good. Uh, for those that are not keeping up with the flow of the content around Mafia Definitive Edition, uh, people are saying this should really be called something else because it's an entirely new game for the most part outside of the story. It really does look phenomenal, and I might have to pick this one up because, man, am I really into the Mafia. That feels really good. Now, that is not to say to the FBI agent out there watching my videos that I'm in the Mafia. I'm not. I'm way too nice for that. Or am I? Bada bing, bada boom. Where's that gabagoo? Uh, anyways, 
Lemnus Gate has been announced. The first-person shooter meets turn-based strategy game was announced for PS4, Xbox One, and PC for 2021. Of course, that one is going to be backwards compatible with PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, as all games are from this point forward. LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has been delayed. More details about TT Games, LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga were revealed, including plans for PS5 and Xbox Series X, and of course, the delay into 2021, which seems completely understandable given the circumstances surrounding COVID-19. Struggling has launched. Developer Chasing Rag Games revealed the Struggling launch trailer, which showed off a physics-based co-op platformer where players need to work together to control the arms of a strange, meaty creature. First chorus gameplay was revealed. Dark Dogfighting Space Game Chorus got its first gameplay trailer featuring some impressive ray-traced graphics. This game looks very fun. This game looks like a fantastic time if you are into space combat a la Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, this might be something you would be interested in. Definitely one of my most anticipated games of next gen after today's big reveal. Fall Guys Season 2 has been announced, and it features, you guessed it, new levels and new costumes with a medieval theme. Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition is going to launch on October the 15th on PC via Steam and in the Microsoft Store. Wastelanders 3 Liberty Character Trailer Revealed A new Wastelanders 3 trailer shows off the fierce character Liberty. Of course, that game is launching this week on the Xbox One, the PS4, and the PC. Medal of Honor Above and Beyond has gotten its story trailer. It was shown alongside a developer interview that touched on some new plot details. Of course, this is the big VR game. Uh, do not get excited. This is not the return of Medal of Honor that many people are wanting, but if you are a fan of VR, the game itself doesn't look that bad. Of course, personally, I would rather have a revitalization of Medal of Honor, but it is what it is. It looks like it is going to be coming back in some kind of way, shape, or form. Spellbreak has gotten its release date, launching on September 3rd on Xbox One, Switch, PS4, and PC, with crossplay coming on day one. That is that magic-based battle royale that many people have been playing in open beta or closed beta in the past few months. Turrican Anthology is in development. We got a look behind the scenes at Factor 5, who is currently working on the Turrican Anthology. Destiny 2 Beyond Light Element Stasis has been shown. A new trailer for the upcoming expansion has shown abilities players can use against enemies. It is more Destiny, adding even more to an already complex and very in-depth game. And finally, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart PS5 has gotten a gameplay trailer. Of course, that is not to insinuate it's coming out on PS4. This game is going to be a PlayStation 5 title, and it is worth mentioning it is going to be a quote-unquote launch window game. And of course, if you have not checked out that gameplay trailer, it is just about seven minutes of pure gameplay. And I must admit, it looks very, very well done and polished. Now, I know that we ran through all of these big announcements, but if you want to check out the entire two-hour show, you are more than welcome to. I would highly recommend that you do that. Uh, but what are the standout traits of Opening Night Live? What really stood out as something uh, that is defining, that is going to be giving hope to players across the industry for the next 12 months. Honestly, the Call of Duty Black Ops trailer looked good. I'm looking forward to Unknown 9 Awakening. That looks great. Uh, on top of that, I'm a big fan of what Ratchet & Clank turned out to be. The gameplay looks like it is going to be a very solid take on the classic nostalgia that we all know and love. Uh, but outside of, you know, the expected cases of being impressed, it was pretty much uh, an uneventful show, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, uh, but outside of looking 
at games that have already been announced or seeing a couple of reveals here and there, there wasn't anything that was really ground shattering. And not that we expected that from Gamescom 2020, but I at least expected some kind of news about an expanded arsenal of games coming out on either the PlayStation or the Xbox. And that brings me down to Ratchet and Clank, because Rift Apart is now scheduled for a launch window uh, for the PlayStation 5. What exactly does that entail? Because Miles Morales is listed as Holiday 2020, does that mean that you are going to be seeing Rift Apart sometime between January and March? Does a six-month window uh, signify the launch window? Is it the first year of the console being on the market? Because in that case, then Halo Infinite is probably going to be a launch window game for the Xbox Series X. Uh, these are weird terms that are being thrown around. Of course, more clarification could come in the next few hours, and if that is the case, uh, then I will update you guys on an episode of the show later in the week. Uh, but ultimately, this Gamescom opening night live certainly showed a lot more of games that we already knew about. Uh, but when it comes to big worldwide world premieres, uh, nothing really blew my mind. But um, out of the entire news cycle of the week, the Black Ops Cold War trailer certainly did uh, tickle my fancy. I'm really enjoying the direction that it's going. Going in because the entire Reagan administration is an incredibly interesting period of American history. Uh, and as somebody who likes that kind of thing, I'll probably be diving into that campaign in a pretty big way. It's kind of weird to go back and think that just a few years ago, they were talking about canning the Call of Duty campaigns entirely, and now the first big piece of news that we're getting from Black Ops in 2020 is uh, two basically back-to-back -back campaign trailers. But moving on to Halo Infinite news, former Halo writer Joseph Stadden has returned to work on Halo Infinite at 343. Specifically, Stadden is working on a project as the lead for the game's campaign, of course that being Halo Infinite. In regards to Halo, Stadden previously served as Bungie's Director of Cinematics and was responsible for mission scripts and cutscene dialogue in Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, and Halo Reach. Additionally, he provided the voice for Halo 3 ODST's superintendent, as well as the Covenant's grunt enemies, a role he took on once again in Halo 5 Guardians. Lastly, he also wrote Halo Shadow of Intent, a story included in the 2015 Halo anthology book Halo Fractures. In addition to all of his previous work on Halo, Staten has also significantly... What? That is such a strange typo. In addition to all of his previous work on Halo, Staten has also significantly, I would say, contributed to several projects over the years while acting as the Senior Creative Director for Xbox Game Studios. Some of his recent endeavors include working on the 2016 sci-fi adventure title ReCore, contributing to the action-packed Crackdown 3, and assisting Don't Entertainment with its upcoming Xbox and Windows 10 exclusive Tell Me Why. According to our sources, they write at Windows Central, the involvement of Staten with Halo Infinite is a move meant to provide more expertise to the development of the game. Additionally, Pierre Hintz, uh, the head of Halo the Master Chief Collection's publishing team, is also joining the Halo Infinite team as project lead for the game's free-to-play experience. Overall, as someone who loves a lot of what Staten has done for Halo so far, I'm excited to see what he contributes to Halo Infinite. What are your thoughts? The author asks. You can let them know down below, and I would love to hear yours and my my comment section as well. Uh, but this is good, good news. Uh, this is somebody who has contributed a lot to the overall lore of 
Halo itself and who has experience working on everything between Combat Evolved and Halo Reach and even touched in some kind of way, shape, or form on some of the modern Halo projects. I also like his experience in modern Xbox brands. Uh, you know, you have ReCore being thrown out there. That's a fantastic, highly underrated game that came out this generation. Uh, and so I think that if anybody can help get the project back on track, it is certainly somebody like Joseph Staten. Uh, but again, Halo Infinite is certainly going to be a very important title for the Xbox brand and for the future of Halo overall. And I want to echo something that Benji Sales tweeted on Twitter earlier today or late last Last night, uh, depending on what time you get up in the morning. But ultimately, this means that it's probably going to be a while before you see Halo Infinite. I would say it could be fall 2021, because if you're bringing somebody on that has a huge background in writing and in lore, that means that you probably are going to be rebuilding a lot of the narrative of the game itself. So although the pieces might be in place, you still have to put them together, and that can take time because you have to re-record voice lines, you have to record new voice lines, uh, you have to move pieces around in the game, potentially make entirely new scenes. I don't know how in-depth this goes, uh, but it does not look like this is going to be launching in February or March as we had anticipated. Uh, it could be all the way back towards the end of 2021. Again, that's just me reading into the situation, but it does not look like it's going to be coming out anytime soon. Now, moving on back to Black Ops, Black Ops Cold War will reportedly run at 120 FPS on next-gen consoles. According to a preview published on VentureBeat, the 2020 title will, quote, play at 4K resolution and refresh rates at 120 Hz, in addition to utilizing solid-state drives for faster load times on PS5's controller haptics. The game will also feature a global illumination system that makes use of real-time ray tracing and disclaimed. However, it's unclear how many of these features will be able to run at the same time, since targeting a frame rate of 120 will likely be very demanding even on next-gen machines. To run PS5 and Xbox Series X games at 120 FPS, newer televisions featuring HDMI 2.1 will be required. So far, the only PlayStation 5 title to confirmed excuse me, title confirmed to support 120 FPS is Codemasters Dirt 5. Xbox has included 120 FPS prominently in its marketing for Xbox Series X and said that it plans to add ultra-high frame rate to some backward-compatible titles as well as for Halo Infinite's multiplayer mode. Quote, with the power of next-gen systems, we'll be able to add even more detail and put even more love into everything we create, KD7, a vehicle artist at Raven Software, told the publication. On Wednesday, Activision held a full reveal of Black Ops Cold War and detailed three versions of the game, which are available to pre-purchase. On Xbox Series X, the physical standard edition of the game will retail for $69.99 and also include an Xbox One copy of the game it confirmed. Digitally, this version is known as the Cross-Gen Edition and includes both Xbox One and Series X versions of the game through a dual-license tie to players' Xbox accounts. On PS5, the equivalent cross-generation edition of Black Ops Cold War, which includes both PS4 and PS5 versions, also retails for $69.99. The PS5 edition will not include a PS4 version of the game. And so, uh, this is something that's a bit confusing. I think that this is not going to be the situation. I think that this is going to be kind of an either-or. I think you will be able to expect 4K 60 or 1080p 120. That seems to be something that's a bit more realistic. Because 120 FPS at 4K is asking for a lot. Unless they really heavily optimize this game, or perhaps they have different modes you can choose from. Uh, one 
that could be resolution, one that could be frame rate, uh, as we see on current uh, kind of in-between consoles, if you will, the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X, uh, that could be the case, but I highly doubt you will be seeing 4K at 120 FPS in any game as action-heavy as Call of Duty. That's asking for a lot. Now, it ultimately depends on the hardware and, again, the optimization. The Series X is more powerful than the PlayStation 5, so you could be seeing a bit better performance on that. Uh, but, alternatively, developers do try and make kind of the same experience across both consoles. So, you could be seeing it parsed back because of the PlayStation 5. And, again, none of that has been confirmed. That's just me kind of... Uh, combining a lot of news that we've heard about the performance of the PlayStation 5, the power of the Xbox Series X, and then what we have here today with 120 FPS on next-gen consoles. Now, what's it going to be for somebody like me? I just upgraded from a 1080p screen to a 100 and, excuse me, 1440p screen, 1440p. So I'm in between 4K and 1080p. I am at 2K. Will my game be able to run at, let's say, 100 FPS? How does this work? What does the architecture of a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X allow me to do? Uh, I would love to see a forum that addresses that. But we will see more about that in the future. Right now, let's talk about Gotham Knights, with the director saying this is very much not designed as a game as a service. Gotham Knights debuted this past weekend, and since it is WB-related, everyone was immediately skeptical. Not skeptical, that's not a word. Uh, WB Games Montreal's handling of Arkham Origins, WB's penchant for games as a service, and the RPG elements were all a cause for concern. And IGN sat down with director Patrick Redding and senior producer Floor Marty to discuss a few of these topics. Not all of our questions were answered, but we do have a better idea of what makes the game tick. As for the games-as-a-service deal, Marty claims that the game was not designed that way. I mean, what else is he supposed to say? Here is the full statement. Quote, this is very much not designed as a game as a service. There is an ability tree, which is different for each of the characters, and then there is gear that you can craft, and so choices that you're going to be making, but that does not mean that this is a games as service. An expected political answer, but all we have to go on at the moment. What about those conspicuous enemy levels, icons, and the trailer? Redding says that the game runs on a sliding scale for leveling, claiming that it is not a grind, where you'll have to go finish a ton of specific missions in order to level up to take on the critical path. Redding instead claims that it will color how you approach individual fights with enemies who are varying strength. Seems like the series already had that covered with different designs and movesets, but I hope that's the case. The team also clarifies that the game is one open-world city right from the start, with no level gating whatsoever. The characters have ability trees and options for different specs. Red Hood can upgrade his ranged melee and suit capabilities, and you can be two of the same character in co-op. Marty also re-clarifies that this is a solo experience if you opt for that approach, and that two-player co-op as a max was designed because they wanted the game to be closer to that solo experience rather than a brawler archetype. Call me cautiously optimistic, the author says, as I am already planning on tearing through Gotham as Red Hood next to my wife's Batgirl. I don't need it to be connected to the Arkham series. I don't even need it to be as good as the Arkham series. I just need it to be good and preferably not fleece me for cash. Indeed, I agree. Uh, this is a good piece of news because in a world where you see so many games taking on some kind of continual gradual improvement, or you see uh, so many games taking on a Battle Pass style system, or you see so many games getting free updates over the course of 10 years, like we see with Halo Infinite and hypothetically the World of Destiny. Again, that's the idea in theory. 
Not necessarily the case because of Activision, but Destiny 2 just keeps on going. Uh, it is good to see that Gotham Knights is taking the one-and-done approach, because when it comes to telling a story, specifically telling a superhero story, uh, that seems to be the best route, in my opinion. Now, that is not to say that that route could not work in a different kind of way in the future, uh, because you could have a world that is continually growing and evolving like you might see with Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Again, that has not been confirmed, but it wouldn't shock me. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the future. But right now, Gotham Knights is not a game as a service design, and that is good for me. But Netflix has finally confirmed it's making a Resident Evil show to move on to the next topic. At last, we can say with absolute confidence, Netflix is making a Resident Evil TV series. The streaming giant confirmed the news with a tweet that showed a script for the game's premiere titled Welcome to Raccoon City. The cover also reveals that Andrew Dabb from Supernatural penned the episode, Bronwyn Hughes from Breaking Bad, 13 Reasons Why, and The Walking Dead is directing, and Constantine Film is the production company behind it all. When the Wesker kids move to New Raccoon City, the secrets they uncover might just be the end of everything, Netflix's tweet teased. We have known about this for some time. Deadline revealed the project's existence back in January 2019, just before Capcom's critically acclaimed Resident Evil 2 remake hit store shelves. True. I was getting ready to say three, but no, they said 2019. My bad. Then last February, fans spotted the following description for a Resident Evil show on Netflix's press site. The town of Clearfield, Maryland, has long stood in the shadow of three seemingly unrelated behemoths, the Umbrella Corporation, the decommissioned Greenwood Asylum, and Washington, D.C. Today, 26 years after the discovery of the T-virus, secrets held by the three will start to be revealed at the signs of outbreak. Resident Evil has been adapted many times. The live-action movies, which share little with Capcom's video games, are the most popular and divisive. Three CG animated films have also been made following a series protagonist Leon Kennedy. The new show, which appears to be taking a different approach to the zombie-infected universe, does not have a release date just yet. It will likely come out after Dragon's Dogma, another Capcom adaptation, hits Netflix on September the 17th. A live-action version of Monster Hunter is also scheduled to come out in theaters next year. We'll see if that happens. Uh, but this seems to be taking the route of potentially a future looking back on the outbreak and perhaps Umbrella is trying to cover something up and an outbreak happens again uh, because of the new Raccoon City title. Now, for those that might have more information as to the lore of Raccoon City and the lore of Resident Evil, you can certainly chime in, but it has been confirmed. Netflix is officially going to be making a Resident Evil show. Now we have an update on the Epic versus Apple situation. Epic Games has snuck in one final iPhone Fortnite update. Fortnite's Marvel-themed Chapter 2 Season 4 launches today on all platforms except iPhone, iPad, and Mac, but developer Epic Games has still snuck in one final update for those devices. Tucked in last night under the radar was a small adjustment patch for the game on iPhone and Android, which added the evil Tart Tycoon character seen in the game's free Fortnite video. This video played in-game to all players on the evening Fortnite was delisted by Apple and on Google Play for circumventing both platforms' official payment methods. An in-game tournament held last weekend that allowed players to earn the Tart Tycoon skin for free relatively easily. We have deployed an adjustment on iOS and Google Play that will allow the hashtag free Fortnite Cup winners to receive the Tart Tycoon outfit alongside other platforms later this week, Epic Games spokesperson noted to one fan on Reddit when they asked about the game's new download. From today, iPhone and Mac players will stay on the game's previous 13.4 patch and no longer be able to cross-play with those on PC or console. 
It looks like this will continue to be the case for some time as the Epic versus Apple court case continues with full legal proceedings not expected until next year at the earliest. And so this is just one more petty move from Tim Sweeney and the team at Epic Games. And hey, more power to you. That is your right to approach it in that regard. Uh, but it is, again, shocking to see that they continually uh, are just poking each other back and forth. You have Apple saying they're not in the wrong. You have Epic putting this skin that's clearly making fun of Apple back in the game that's on Apple devices. Uh, it is wild to continue seeing. But again, I will keep you guys up to date on everything happening in that situation. But to round out today's show, Xbox's Games with Gold lineup for September is pretty terrible. Now, of course, this is coming to us from DualShockers, so take it for what it is. Of course, they tend to have a PlayStation skew, although they report very well on everything. The name itself lends itself to the PlayStation community. Uh, but I did want to pick this because it is indeed pretty terrible. For as great as Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass service has been over the past few years, it is hard to say the same for Games with Gold. Microsoft's monthly lineup of free games that are given out to those who are subscribed to Xbox Live Gold has been pretty quietly getting worse over the last few months. As we move into September, the program seems to have reached a new low point. Oh, I wouldn't agree on that one. Uh, starting next week on September the 1st, Ubisoft's The Division will be available on Xbox One until the end of the month. The multiplayer-focused shooter released back in 2016. And while it was a solid game in its own right, the follow-up Division 2 released last year. To offer up the first game as a free download is not inherently a bad thing, but when it's clearly meant to be the marquee title of September's slate, despite the fact that the game is all but dead due to the sequel's existence, it's a bit strange. Joining the division on September the 1st and being available until September 15th is DeBlob 2, a platformer from THQ that released on Xbox 360. The Book of Unwritten Tales 2 is then the month's second Xbox One title and will be up for download between September 16th and October 15th. And lastly, Armed and Dangerous rounds out the September list and will be up for grabs until months end beginning on September the 16th. All in all, with lineups like this one, I guess I'm a bit confused as to why Microsoft even continues to utilize games with gold at all. It feels like it has been forever since Microsoft added a noteworthy title in the slightest to this program, with competitors like PlayStation Plus adding major titles to its service such as Fall Guys. And I would also mention Modern Warfare. To remastered. That's wild. Uh, with this in mind, why not just discontinue games with gold? Again, Game Pass is already doing Microsoft a ton of heavy lifting to the point that I don't even understand why games with gold is still around. Quite frankly, because it has to be. Uh, Xbox Live Gold needs to be able to directly compete with PlayStation Plus and to take off having some kind of free game per month uh, is going to be just one more check on somebody's box as to why PlayStation Plus is better than Xbox Live Gold. So I understand the plan behind that, but that doesn't change the fact that these games just kind of suck. I mean, if you look again at Modern Warfare 2 Remastered and... Fall Guides, this doesn't hold a candle to any of that. At least give us the Division 2. Strike up a deal. Spend some money. And I think that's the biggest element here is that Microsoft doesn't want to spend money on giving people free games. PlayStation has major, major deals uh, with publishers that are allowing their games to be shared on the service. Again, they have a huge partnership with Activision that is continuing through the launch of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War and well beyond. Uh, and that is what gets you Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare Remastered. That's what gets you Modern Warfare 2 Remastered. Uh, and then you have these big launch games like Rocket League back in the day. 
And then on top of that, like Fall Guys this past month, that is what gets people excited and that's what drives subscribers up in your service. I resubscribed to PlayStation Plus for a year because I would rather buy that than have to go buy Fall Guys on PC. And then on top of that, I get the next year's worth of free PlayStation Plus games, whatever they might be. That's a lot of games. Uh, with this, Xbox Live Games with Gold is just worthless, in my opinion. It's nice to have. I mean, I might check out DeBlob too, but that's like if I have nothing else to play. And with many people having Game Pass, you have plenty to play. Uh, but again, that's just my two cents. Certainly not the month we were hoping for. But PlayStation isn't doing too much better next month, but still slightly better with PUBG. Of course, that's just, again, my opinion. Regardless, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. Now, normally I would be back tomorrow. Unfortunately, I have some plans, so we might do a Saturday show. But if nothing big breaks tomorrow, then I will see you guys on Monday. Of course, on Sunday, we have an episode of The Drop. But if you want to catch it all, you can subscribe here on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media and keep yourself up to date. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your night. I'll talk to you soon and peace.